what a joy. Let's pray for Cheryl. I want to just reach your arm out. Thank you, God, for this woman. Thank you for her heart, her sacrifice. And Lord, we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you come and bless our hearts to receive your word through your daughter. Amen. So on Thursday, when I met with the rest of the ops team, I said to Liz, I haven't got a PowerPoint. And she said, oh, good. And I said, well, it's actually not because I haven't got one, like, in my head, because I often see things, like, in pictures, even when I, I'm thinking about words. Um, the reason we haven't got PowerPoint is because I actually don't know how to do them. And uh, so Becky has volunteered to teach me, and apparently um, I'm going to love it. Yeah. So, uh, this morning we are going to use our imaginations and we are going to have PowerPoint moments. We'll see how that works. But I do have props. I bet you haven't had props Sunday, but we have got props Sunday. Um, I like to often start and tell you things you don't know about me. Um, but first of all, I thought I'd refresh you on a piece of information that I shared with you Oh, it was probably quite some time ago. I think it was at Henry Sandon Hall. Um, and I think I told you that I like to play Candy Crush on my phone. And uh, I've made it to level 7,365. <laughs> I am proud. Um, I'm, also, <laughs> I'm also super glad that there's not an unlimited lives because that would be a gigantic waste of my life. Um, another thing you might not know about me, I don't know some of you will know, is that in our house we have a lot of Playmobil. In fact, we still have a lot of Playmobil, even though the youngest child is 11. Um, and at Christmas, I decided that I wanted my own Playmobil at the grand age of 51. So now I'm the proud owner of a Victorian-style Playmobil house that is in my bedroom. And it's all set up, and nobody can touch it because things might fall over. So, yeah. One day I'll let people play with it, but not right now. I have a disproportionate liking for tin lunch boxes. I don't know what that's about. And Snoopy. Um, I love creme caramels, but it is not the real deal unless you can invert it on a plate and pull the little tab that's on the bottom and watch it plop onto your plate. I've only just found out that I feel this way at 52 because I bought some recently and found out there was no tab on the bottom of the little pot. And cue the Chudley family doing things to the pots with various implements that should probably not be copied by anybody. I grew up in an Elim Pentecostal church where women did the serving. In fact, they did everything really, except for sitting on the front row as the deacons or being the minister. Even though the Pentecostal church actually has a huge and uh, varied and incredible, really, history of women getting up to all sorts of shenanigans with Jesus. Missionaries, pioneers, evangelists. When I was younger, I used to view that serving that all those women did uh, kind of negatively. Is that kind of all they can do? And as I went off to change the world when I was 18, I used to think of that. And like, I think I was a bit scathing, really. But then lots of us are when we're 18. I have learnt that actually they were subversive leadership. 
except that what we really know about the kingdom of God is that they actually were the leaders. Well, not all the leaders, but you know what I mean. I knew by the time I was 18 that I would work significantly in and for the church family. Although I only really had one kind of picture of what it looks like to work in a church. Is this microphone all right or do I need to move? Is it okay? Okay. Nathan's in charge, so I'll guess. It was a long time before I learnt that unless we are here to serve, then we will never lead. In Matthew 20, verse 28, Jesus says, He didn't come to serve. No. He didn't come to be served. I get that wrong but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Paul says in Philippians that Jesus took on the very nature of a servant. Now, there are loads of types of leaders and plenty claim to be a kind of biblical, I suppose. And um, the Bible is uh, a mixed bag of good and bad examples. Um, I expect all of you have your own stories in life, in church, in jobs, in areas of influence that mirror some of these. But it's really important that we remember that despite all the leadership structures we can throw at the church, that actually Jesus is the head of it and that he has all authority and that he must remain front and center. I'm not very comfortable with senior leader tag. I try to avoid it at all points. I think hierarchical leadership can, well, all types of leadership can cause a lot of problems <laughs> because we're people, but um, I've often seen hierarchical structures become really difficult. So we're all following Jesus together. He's our shepherd and we are the sheep. Now, there's loads of Bible verses about this. Um, most famously, probably, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So I wonder what that makes me while leading the leadership team. So I am a shepherd. I look after sheepy people. I am a kind of sub-shepherd, I suppose, but I'm also a sheep. And I'm following Jesus because he is the chief shepherd. I am really not in charge. This is a good thing. In Isaiah 9, it says, for unto us... Now, this verse, honestly, we read this at Christmas all the time, but, it, you know, it's a grand verse. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. For the government, literally, the authority to govern sits on his shoulder. And this is what I know about this flock. Oh, I might cry. I'll use my tea towel that's on my prop table to mop myself up. Somebody once said to me about you that we had the most remarkable amount of leaders they had ever identified in one church community. I think they thought that might be a bit challenging. But what we know is that's because you serve. You serve one another, you reach out to one another, you uh, form a network where you connect. 
you see what people are experiencing and you do something about it, that you're not just people of words, but uh, although many of your words are encouraging and beautiful, but that you do things too. We have a rich history in our church of reaching out to people in times of trouble in all sorts of ways, uh, financially, practically. You're a feisty lot. I probably should read a book about sheep farming or something. I'll, uh, I might help a bit. You're a feisty lot. Um, you see things, so you say things. And that's a really good thing. Um, because this is a community. And what I also know about you is that you are talented and gifted people who have the supernatural and untamed Jesus inside of you. That's a quote from somewhere, and, you know, like in typical quote style, I can't actually remember where it's from. So, you know, if you find it, that's great. What's Jesus doing he is building his church. In Matthew 16, you find a story about Jesus. He's talking to the disciples, and he says, who do, you say I who do people say I am? And they've got various answers. And then he says, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answers, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, Blessed are you, for this was not revealed by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell or Hades will not overcome it. I'd quite like to slip into a bit of Catholic theology, but I won't. Um, whatever Jesus is building, he's the one that's building, no matter what it's on. Um, in Ephesians 2, it says that we are built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets and with Jesus as our cornerstone. Nesta had a prayer, uh, no, a picture last time we met together about a game of Jenga. I'm sure you've all played it. A balancing game where you add and remove bricks. And she said sometimes a bit like our lives, things come and go and sometimes the whole pile falls over. But the church is not built like Jenga. It's actually built on Jesus, and he is a firm foundation. And it says in 1 Peter 1 that Jesus is a living stone that was chosen by God, and that we are also living stones that are built into a spiritual house. In the last few months, um, I've been thinking about the song, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. I had always thought about standing on a rock with Jesus. And then I realized that actually, if I'm standing on the rock that's Jesus, really I'm standing on Jesus. So that was kind of interesting. And in the last two months, I've decided that I am actually hanging around Jesus's neck and the floor is lava. So, um, you know, have you ever had a kid hang around your neck and it's a bit like, because <laughs> I sometimes think Jesus is like, you know what, you can release your grip a bit. Let's talk a bit about the last few months. Um, they've been a bit challenging. I find myself in a new role in the church that I was not expecting, and neither were you. And in the last few weeks and before, I have spent a, a huge quantity of time talking to people. I mean, I did not know it was possible to have that many meetings, Zooms, and telephone calls. 
And the places that I had telephone calls were really bizarre. And I did slightly get nervous when I start, used to get messages from people that said, have you got a moment? Because it wasn't very momenty. But I, you know, I love talking to people, so hey, uh, there's lots of fun too. Um, I'm happy to talk to anybody. Um, there are people that I've been to see and there are people that have been to see me. And if you want to talk to me, I am really happy to have a cup of tea with you and talk. And what I've seen is that there are blind spots, or there have been blind spots. Oh, Rodney's got a picture. Rodney's going to tell us about his picture because I was talking to Rodney about blind spots and he said, oh, that's funny, isn't it? I just painted a picture about that. This is a picture about blind spots. God spoke to me about blind spots and community. And here is your eye or my eye. But you, if you look very, okay, if you look very carefully here, there's a there's a spot of the eye missing. It's a blind spot. So I looked up on the internet what a blind spot looks like, and that's what they said. It was like that. It's something that blurs your vision. So it really stirred me, so I thought, Lord, how do I paint that? So here's my endeavor to paint. This is community building something together. They're all building something together. And as you're looking at it, because it's community, your eye has a much wider vision. You can see much more and understand much more than you can individually because it's community. So what Father said to me was this. Your blind spots are normally covered by community. Your blind spots are normally covered by community. So we need community to enable us to see wider and clearer and see things we just don't understand. And God brings revelation through each other into areas of our lives. And that's why we need community. So we best avoid our blind spots by being, playing our part in the church. By discourse and by accountability, by working together. And I actually think that discernment is also something that we find in community and not on our own in isolation. Years ago, Rodney also brought a um, spoke at church, and I think it's probably, um, I think it's actually before we were at City Church, uh, you brought a jigsaw puzzle to church, and he gave a piece of the jigsaw puzzle to everybody. And the reason I know that is because Ruth Chapman has a piece of puzzle still sellotaped to the front of her Bible. So we don't get a full picture and we don't avoid our blind spots without all the pieces, and that's without you. Um, Rodney uh, shared this with us. Is there anything you want to say about this? Do you the other week, Rodney painted this picture and then chopped it up. Sonia chopped it up. She did a great job. And now I can't remember. You want to say? I looked up the word compassion in Philippians, and when I looked up the word compassion, 
it, and it's talking about the compassion of God, the same word could be equally translated into the womb of God, the womb of Father. So I set about painting it. The first attempt I did didn't work. And I was a bit frustrated with that. And I said, Holy Spirit, what do I do? So I just blew all over the painting because that's what the Holy Spirit said. And that picture's hung up in Linda's farm now. So this is my second attempt. And this originally was an expression of the compassion and womb of God that embraces everybody and everything. So in, in that, we are all a vital part that's come out of the compassion and womb of the Father, but we're all joined together. And we cut it up a few weeks ago into pieces, and every, every one of us is a piece. Now, the wonderful this I think this is wonderful. The wonderful thing is we put numbers on the back of every one and put numbers on here to put them back. And most went back in the right place. But some pieces went upside down, back to front, and in the wrong place. And that's called community. So this is a PowerPoint moment. We're already having prop moments. So if you could see the PowerPoint, it would just say, I hear you. So I've realized, having had lots of conversations, that many of you feel like you haven't been heard. Some of you think that the leadership team hasn't heard you, and I have to tell you that it's not always been the case that the leadership team has known what you've said, or the points that you've raised. Now, when you haven't been heard for some time, it can be a challenge to speak up again, um, but we, the leadership team, would love you to take a risk with us. <laughs> We're taking a risk with us, so if you could do it too, that would really help us. But if you could take a risk and talk to us and share with us, we would really appreciate it. There are lots of areas that we have dropped the ball and not been diligent enough, that we have not held people to account and we have not pursued accountable relationships. I think that we can do better in the breadth of teaching that we have at the church. Um, my personal feeling is that, this, um, that theology can be transformational and that it can lead to transformational living. I spend a lot of time consulting with people in the church and outside of the church in synergy about the way forward and uh, about probably every other decision in the church. And in, uh, so next week, I am meeting with Simon, who's leading Synergy at the moment, and Tim, who leads our area cluster of churches. I'm taking Richard along for the ride. And we're going to talk about leadership, and we're going to talk about what does it look like for City Church from here. And I am really hoping we come back with a plan to talk to the rest of the leadership team with and, and the trustees. Uh, the next prop, she says confidently. This is uh, Moses in the middle, and I have no idea which one's Aaron or her. And it's a picture that my grandfather actually drew, and it represents a story in the Bible about the Amalekites. Um, as long as Moses' arms were in the air, 
the Israelites were winning, but if he got a bit tired and his arms stopped, started drooping, uh, they didn't do so well. So Aaron and her help him out. And that way, Joshua completely defeats the Amalekites. Now, I don't think I'm Moses, but I do know that I need an Aaron and a her. In fact, we all need an Aaron and a her. I've got loads of people in my life like this. People I can rely on, people who know, I know will tell me just how it is. They encourage me to keep going, to pursue God, and to do the right thing, and they tell me when I'm being a complete plonker. I know that one of my vulnerabilities is not wanting people to think badly of me. This role is really tough if you have that. <laughs> because, uh, well, I suppose I appreciate your prayers because, uh, I don't know, it, sometimes we think it, well, God asks us to do lots of things, and some of them are easy, and then some of them are really hard. And you feel sick as a dog, and you think you're going to pass out with the anxiety of it. So it's not actually that easy. The other thing I'm thinking about... Oh, so I'm going to tell you a really funny thing, that if you take out of context and you share outside of these walls, people are going to think that we have lost the plot. I have a shrine in my house, on my windowsill in the kitchen. And I put things on it to help me to remember what God is saying, who he is, and what he's doing. And I stick random pieces of paper on the cupboards that have words on them. So this is my, uh, my next prop. You can't see it. Sorry, it's not. It says on it, Courage, Dear Heart. And it's a quote from a book called The Voyage of the Dawn Treader by C.S. Lewis. And the story behind it is um, that Lucy... Uh, and the others in the, in the story are on a ship and they're heading into the dark unknown waters and they are terrified. And everyone is scared that Aslan has led them in the wrong direction. And at one point, Lucy whispers, Aslan, Aslan, if ever you loved us at all, send us help. And the book says, the darkness did not go away, grow any less, but she began to feel a little, a very little better. What's God saying to us? There are loads of themes in the Bible, and one is about seasons. In Ecclesiastes, it says, to everything there's a season and a time to put every purpose under heaven. Now, spiritual seasons don't always last for three months. Who has been in a winter, a winter that's gone on and on and on and on? In October, slightly strange time of the year, really, for this, but there was, uh, we had a, uh, in October, we had a deeper meeting. That's our prayer and worship evening. It's held on the third Sunday of the month. There were loads of words about spring, just as we were going into, like, natural winter. Wow, man, I was so encouraged. Spring is here, you know, all that flowery stuff. Um, and Rodney went away and painted a picture. And he sent me a photo, and I got it printed to put on my windowsill on my shrine. Don't repeat it outside. I would have shown you on the 
PowerPoint, but you know. Anyway, it gave me loads of hope. There's growth, it would be sunny, it would be like extra growy and pretty, and it would be a relief, even though we were just about to go into miserable winter. And then April and May came this year, and it didn't feel much like spring or winter. It felt like a storm with Jesus shouting, hold fast. And a few days after the whole church meeting that we had just after camp, as most of you will have been there, some of you I've spoken to on the phone, I said to God, what's all this spring business about? Because it ain't feeling very springy to me. And he said to me, in the spring, Cheryl, things come out of the dark. I am beginning to wonder if spring is the season for the church globally. In the Sozo ministry that I've been part of for a really long time, that Henry and Anita lead now, I've learned that Jesus loves to bring things out of the dark much more than we do. And that's because of shame. And uh, the enemy of our souls loves to keep it all hidden away. In some of my favorite verses in Isaiah, it says that instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And Jesus knows that shame continues to grow in the dark and light brings freedom. Jesus wants us to bring things into the light for our own good so that shame is not increased and also so that distance is not increased. It's super, super difficult to connect with people and with Jesus when we are carrying high levels of shame. And it's difficult to turn testimony, something into a testimony if it's hiding in the dark. So it's spring, and I know absolutely nothing about gardening other than the fact that I appear to be an accidental expert in weeds. So I want to ask you these questions, and thankfully for some of you, it will not be in small groups. So you can think about these in your head. What are you planting in this season? What do you need to pull up? What is growing inside of you in a healthy way, but that hasn't popped its tender shoots out of the soil yet? What do you have that's in the dark that shame says needs to stay hidden? And how can we help you bring it into the light? It is not our practice to use flamethrowers. If you'd like to talk to me about flamethrowers, I have a story, but I won't share it with you here. We don't use them on people, and we don't use real ones, and we don't use metaphorical ones. Over the years, I have learned to take notice of things that resonate with me, and it's hard really to describe that other than to say a very Rodney phrase, and it's this, I know in my knower. It might be a word or a song or even an item in a shop. In April, as Jesus was bringing things out of the dark, I flew to Florida. Now, sometimes you've got to wonder about Jesus' timing. But here's the thing. I knew I could go to Florida in the full confidence that Jesus was at work. 
On the way to the airport, we stopped at the service station. Uh, this is another PowerPoint moment. And there uh, was a Weatherspoons, because, you know, Weatherspoons. And it was called the Hope and Champion. And I'm like, yes, that is Jesus telling me that he, well, it's like he's reminding me of his character. I'm, I'm sure he doesn't need reminding, but he reminds me. Jesus is the hope, our hope. He is fighting for us. Now, I was at Dunelm, and I love a bit of Dunelm, and I think I'm becoming like my mother, and I was drawn to the tea towel rack. I bet none of you have ever said that before. I, well, that's not true. Actually, some people in this room are drawn to the tea towel rack. I'm not looking anywhere. Anyway, so I see the bottom of this tea towel prop number, whatever it is. And it's, just, it, it's kind of the wrong way around in the rack, but I, I see this tea towel, so I'll buy it. It, it says... Well, on, on this side, it says, live simply, but that, that's not the point. Bloom wildly. So I think that's what Jesus is saying. So does anybody want a tea towel? That you never thought you'd go home with a tea towel. Actually, I go home from Linda's farm with tea towels all the time. Uh, yeah, don't tell Liz. They're in the iron in because tea towels are... Linda's farm at I end, but not in my house. Anyway, um, anyway, I, I just knew that Jesus was telling me that we need to bloom widely, and he is going to help us. So I see this in the office, church office. I don't know. I see this much of a magazine, and I go over to it because I know in my knower I need to take a look. And at the bottom it says, a time to grow. I drove to Pershaw with all the clothes that we collected at the start of the Ukrainian conflict to take them to the clothing bank there. And um, in a lay-by on the way there, I saw a huge Salvation Army lorry. And on the side it said, full of hope. And that is me. I am full of hope. And I'm full of it because Jesus is the shepherd and he is building his church and it has never, ever been any different. We are going to worship again, but I have no clue what time it is, and I might have run over wildly. I've run over wildly. We can do a worship song, she says. Um, so I, I wanted to say to you, Jesus is central to why we're here, and I long for his presence, because I know it's transformational if you have not encountered Jesus and would like to, then please talk to the person that you've come with, or uh, you can come and talk to me. Um, I also, I think if, you, if you're feeling some pain around leadership, or you're feeling some pain about the last few months, uh, then I would love to pray with you. You know, I can encounter Jesus standing in my kitchen, listening to Spotify, wearing my pajamas, holding a cup of tea. But I come here on a Sunday to do that with you. Well, you know, not wear my pajamas. Because doing it together is really beautiful. So let's pursue Jesus. 
I can't tell you what it's going to look like over the few, next few months. Not today, anyway. I hope to be able to in the next few weeks. But I think that we can pursue Jesus anyway, regardless of that. Please pray for us as a leadership team. Uh, we need all the ones we can get. Um, please support us with your words. They mean more than you can imagine. Please just hold us because, um, well, we're human and we're capable of making big mistakes. But um, I hope that we're on a journey that's not one of perfection, but of connection, both with each other and with Jesus. <laughs>